Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Zizi, that's where you and Hayward differ. He's going to burn Westview to the ground just to get what he wants. Don't let him make you the villain. Maybe I already am. I'm not afraid of you, Wanda. I lost the person closest to me, too. The worst thing I can think of has already happened to me. And I can't change it. I, I can't undo it. I, I can't control this pain anymore. And I don't think I want to. Because it's my truth. Wanda, Young you lady, have to... I think you overstayed your welcome. Poor Wanda's been through enough. This doesn't concern you. Wanda? Run along, dear. Wanda, you have to take it down. No. Don't make me hurt you. All right. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to the MCU Diaries. It's a podcast dedicated to every Marvel Studios series on Disney+. So sit back, relax, and let's break down Earth's mightiest heroes. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm your host today, Blake Larson, and I'm here to chat with you about episode 107 for WandaVision, Breaking the Fourth Wall, and ladies and gents, all you nerds called it, it was Agatha all along. Wow, man. I, I you know, I know that uh, you know a lot of dorks called it early on, uh, and I think even some called it before the show even premiered, especially when Catherine Hahn was cast as Agnes. It just felt you know, it just felt like that was the direction that the show was going. So am I surprised necessarily that it was Agatha all along? No. Do I think it's a fun and interesting direction for this show and where it might lead? Yes, absolutely. Because there is some qualities of Agatha that can be really, really great. Uh, in terms of her characterization and where she comes from, but also how she will play off of Wanda. Obviously, when we discover that Agatha is who she is and she is essentially threatening Wanda. And we got some issues here between the two, but I'm happy all the nerds called it. I'm here. I'm happy to talk about it. So let's do that, shall we? Uh, But before we do, I want to remind you, go to maryandblake.com. 
where you can check out all the great podcasts that we have, uh, including Bridgerton with Mary and Blake, Outlander Cast, um, geez, uh, This Is Us 2, uh, the, the Potterverse. There, there's a whole bunch of different stuff there, uh, including Game of Thrones and Gilmore Girls. It's it's great. And another place I would love for you to go to as well is the Mary and Blake Facebook group. That is a great community where we have all of our nerds get together and chat with each other. It's free. It's there. You just go and, and talk about whatever your heart desires because we're all nerds, man. And I'm here and I'm happy to chat about everything with you on a more personal level and, and a back and forth level. But let's get into the show, shall we? Yes, WandaVision episode 107, Breaking the Fourth Wall, drops us right into the mid-2000s era of television. We're talking uh, The Office and Parks and Rec, uh, but really specifically, at least for this episode, it is Modern Family that the show is discussing, well, at least dissecting and uh, deconstructing. And in its wake, (laughs) we get a massive MCU bomb. That is just dropped on us uh, from the clouds. That, of course, being Agatha Harkness is part of it. But something happens here that's really important. Yes, there is this huge bomb that's dropped on us, and it does feel like this is something that has been the show has been building up towards, I think, for most of its run. But despite that, despite that there is this huge bomb that's dropped on us, the show has kept laser focus on its main character. Uh, that, of course, being Wanda. And the show has also warned us, or at least is warning us currently, be careful what you wish for. So this is our third act of our nine-episode arc. This is episode seven. We begin the end game here, ladies and gents. Pardon the pun, but we are beginning the end game. This is where our main character is at the lowest she has ever been, and it's only going to get worse for her. To further emphasize this point, there is this incredible scene between Wanda and her kids. And you know what? I think, yeah, yeah, you know, I will just play it for you and I will let it speak for itself. Hey, Mom. Last night, Uncle P said that thing about re-killing Dad. Don't believe anything that man said. He is not your uncle. Who is he? (laughs) Here's the thing, boys. I'm your mom. And as such, you were counting on me to have all the answers, right? (laughs) Well, I don't. I have no answers. (laughs) I've zip, zero, zip. Not a yente. I'm starting to believe that everything is meaningless. I mean, you're welcome to draw your own conclusions, of course, but that's not just where I'm at. (laughs) Okay, so maybe I went a little too dark there. But they'll be fine. Vision is made of vibranium. They literally inherited tough skin. Come on. I love everything about this. Yes, because it is a fantastic play on the modern family confessional style 
television uh, and the reality of the situation, how far it has evolved from the Dick Van Dyke show to the now extraordinarily cynical uh, mockumentary style of television. And of course, Elizabeth Olsen has exhibited why she is just great in every way. I could just watch her in anything. They're looking for answers, her kids, that um, she does not have. And yes, everything to her life itself is starting to be meaningless. And then there is this very fortuitous knock at the door. Enter Agatha Hackness. Yes, ladies and gents, Agatha all along. And before we chat this major plot bomb, let's... I wanted to acknowledge it and say, yes, we're going to get to it, but I want to discuss how perfectly first this episode is crafted around the important emotional fragility of Wanda, because this seems to be the undercurrent for the entire series, and it is really important that we discuss it, because as we talked, at at least the, the clip that I played at the top of this episode Is Wanda becoming the villain? Hmm. Good question. This episode, Breaking the Fourth Wall, is a perfect vehicle to emphasize how alone Wanda truly is. I mean, let's consider what the catalyst was for the creation of WandaVision, the show within our show, right? And everything that's happening in Westview. Wanda was alone and drowning in what she calls endless nothingness. Gone was the love of her life and vision. Her brother was dead, and she was completely on her own after Thanos' defeat in Avengers Endgame. The biggest bad of all time may have been vanquished, but Wanda was still left in solitude, with the world expanding and collapsing all around her at the same time. After her choices to steal Vision, create a world of her own, and live out the rest of her happy days in a giant bubble of lies, she is once again back to being completely alone. Right now, she's standing on the precipice of endless nothingness, or at least what she categorizes as life being meaningless. In getting exactly what she has wished for, Wanda has created her nightmare. She is back to where she began. Vision distrusts Wanda and is literally separated from her for an entire episode. Agatha has taken Wanda's children. She no longer has her children available to her. And the world that she has created is simultaneously expanding and collapsing around her. She is back to the beginning. As a response to her actions the previous night, which are certainly played off like a, <laughs> a bad night of drinking, you know, almost like you're hungover in the morning, as opposed to the Big Bang style event that it really actually is. And of course, waking up in her costume was laugh out loud funny. Wanda decides to self-quarantine herself as punishment. By the way, the meta commentary here, excellent. I know that this was shot prior to all the COVID nonsense, but... <laughs> I think I have this kind of PTSD almost with the word quarantine (laughs) now. (laughs) Oh, man, crazy. At any rate, Wanda hides herself from the heaven that she created in the WandaVision, the show within the show, because she feels like if she can't control it, then she doesn't deserve it. And rest assured, 
she cannot control it. I mean, from her kids' games to the walls around her, the TV she watches, hell, she can't even get the almond milk she wants when she wants to eat her sugar snaps. I mean, all is lost. And all I keep thinking about here is Andy Dwyer's gif from uh, Parks and Rec. I'm fine. It's just that life is pointless. Life is pointless and nothing matters. To Wanda, it might just feel like a case of the Mondays, as she says in this episode, but we as viewers all recognize that this is the most alone that she has ever been, especially after she's had the opportunity to live her happily ever after, if you will, for the past number of weeks. Wanda's solitude is further calcified in her confessional style sit down with one of her off-screen producers, let's say, or the interviewer. And it's played off like it's funny, but when you listen to it with a more serious lens, it's actually very frightening. And again, Elizabeth Olsen sells this to a T. I don't understand what's happening. Why it's, why it's all falling apart and why I can't fix it. Do you think maybe this is what you deserve? What? You're not supposed to talk. Yes, the guy's not supposed to talk. (laughs) Yes, this is Wanda's world. And it's just further evidence that her world is collapsing. She is no longer in total control of what is happening. This is important. This little development. Again, as funny as it's meant to be, as funny as it's meant to be played off, it is not. I have made it a point this entire series for everything that you have either written, uh, read or listened to from this entire podcast. I've made it a point to separate the sitcom hijinks from the story being told. Here's the issue. I don't think I can do that anymore. Wanda in WandaVision, the show within a show, is at a literal crossroads in her story. And the storytelling of WandaVision, the series that we are watching, is also at that same crossroads for this story. Both realities are converging on Wanda's depression, and they're starting to reflect each other. It's (laughs) pardon the pun, but it's literally a perfect marriage of storytelling. So, okay, fine. We understand now why this is perfect storytelling for Wanda, but now let's get to the big plot bomb of this entire show and the big reveal. Agnes is Agatha Harkness. While, like I said, most of you nerds did call this, I'm really happy that they've gone down this route. Is it a huge surprise? No, but it's definitely fulfilling. Catherine Hahn is just great. And it's not because I'm a Catherine Hahn honk, <laughs> although she is very funny and she's great at what she does. She has played the role of Agnes really well throughout her entire run of WandaVision so far. She has made Agnes seem like someone that you could definitely trust, but also like Pietro in the last episode, there was just something off about her this entire time. We have actually discussed it ad nauseum here on the podcast so far. She just always seemed to be in the right place at 
the right time, pushing events in whatever direction the show needed to go. And by the show, I mean not WandaVision the series, I mean WandaVision the show within a show. There were events, like whether it was having the ingredients for dinner right on hand in the first episode, or um, introducing Dottie uh, in the second episode, questioning Monica in one of the previous episodes, and helping with the babies in the last episode, having all of a sudden a doghouse at the ready, or even uh, last episode pushing Vision on his death. Agnes has just been a tad off, and we know why now, because she's Agatha Harkness. Now, I understand a lot of you don't know who Agatha Harkness is, and that's actually okay. There, there's nothing inherent within the storytelling of WandaVision, the series that we're watching right now, that would suggest anything to you other than she's a witch. <laughs> and that's fine. In the comics, Agatha has been somewhat of an ally, actually, to Wanda, and in most cases, even uh, a tutor. Yes, Agatha is a witch, uh, and it dates all the way back to the Salem witch trials, uh, you know, in, in the 17th century, where she was actually burned alive at the stake for being a witch. <laughs> but like all good comic book characters, she didn't actually die. You can read all about Agatha if you want. There's tons of other story bits and how she's been around forever and she's molded events in her own way. And it's actually uh, the last character that Jack Kirby and Stan Lee created together before they split. So you can go and you can nerd out all you want. But as we discussed in the previous episode, Agatha in the comics tries to wipe Wanda's children's or, or her children from Wanda's mind when they are reabsorbed back into Mephisto. Yes, if you get nerd sweats or you get a popsicle headache from that sentence, I totally understand. Just go with it. It's a long story. I promise. Just just accept it for what it is. Anyway, this interaction, as we have talked about so far uh, in many episodes of this podcast, has led to a story called The House of M, where Wanda goes crazy, she loses her mind, loses control over her powers, and rearranges all of the reality around her. This should sound familiar, because you're witnessing it right now. The end of uh, the Agatha Harkness ordeal actually concludes with Wanda murdering Agatha right in cold blood. We talked about this a little bit last episode, but to reaffirm it, things are not going to go well between these two. No matter how this turns out, it's going to end up bad. (laughs) But we can dissect the whole murdery plot, if you'd like, for another time, for another podcast. And while I have loved every second of Catherine Hahn playing, I think, just the right tone for Agatha, it's not too over the top, but it's also not too subtle, where you don't notice the excuse me irregularities. As much as I loved it, though, I, I can't help but wonder, though, if the Agatha Harkness of it all, who she is, what, what she's doing here, I wonder if that reveal is as meaningful and acute for non-dorks. Here's what I mean. Her reveal, while perfectly awesome for for nerds like me and for people who know the history, it's it's great. 
But for those of you who don't know what that means, and you don't, you're not nerds, you don't understand her history, I wonder if it feels a little bit like Khan. Yes, in 2013, Star Trek Into Darkness came out, and Benedict Cumberbatch played the eponymous Khan. You know what? I'll just play the scene right here for you. I looked up John Harrison. Until a year ago, he didn't exist. John Harrison was a fiction created the moment I was awoken by your Admiral Marcus to help him advance his cause. A smokescreen to conceal my true identity. My name is Khan. Well, yes, I love Benedict Cumberbatch, (laughs) and I love Chris Pine. I love Star Trek in the Darkness. I love J.J. Abrams. I love all of it. (laughs) This was a huge reveal. It was. It really was. It was big. It was awesome. In fact, I think it was it was critical to the character that Cumberbatch played. And in fact, the whole movie balanced on this kind of reveal. I got it. I loved it. I thought it was a great reveal. But that reveal only played to what we as an audience already knew about Khan from uh, the second Star Trek film, Star Trek Wrath of Khan. The problem in this iteration, the Star Trek Into Darkness, even though I love me some, I love Benedict Cumberbatch, going back to Sherlock. By the way, if you haven't seen Sherlock, go watch it. It's amazing. The problem, though, is that Captain Kirk, as played by Chris Pine in the what's referred to as the Kelvin timeline of Star Trek, he had no prior knowledge of Khan. He had no prior experience with Khan the way that William Shatner's Captain Kirk had experience with Khan. So what I mean is in story, the reveal didn't make any sense to the characters in the film. That reveal is it doesn't make any sense. It's only there to pacify the members of the audience. It's meant to be a cool reveal in a cool scene. And it is. Benedict Cumberbatch is awesome in this scene. But the storytelling of it is disingenuous. So I bring up the con of it, and I bring up con in this episode only because the reveal for Agatha Harkness, it kind of feels like it's supposed to mean something to Wanda, but it doesn't. It only means something to people who know the history shared between the two in the comics. And nothing to the people who don't know the history or really even the characters themselves. If you're just, you know, watching WandaVision because you like the MCU and you're just going along for the ride, or maybe your your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband or whatever, maybe they're watching it and you're just watching it too and you listen to this podcast because they're talking about it and you want to talk to them about it and you have no idea what the hell you're talking about, but you're trying to learn because you're trying to make them feel happy, but it could be a hundred different things. If you don't know the history of it, then you don't really get this reveal, and it feels a little disingenuous. But the truth we do know is that while Wanda may have 
created the physical space of WandaVision, the show within a show, and the bubble surrounding Westview, we also know that it's Agatha who has been pulling now many of the strings without Wanda's knowledge. What is revealed in this episode is that Agatha has sabotaged the magic show. She has also manipulated Herb and brought her into this bubble, brought Herb into this bubble. And apparently she's even controlling Pietro as well. And if you notice too, Agatha does this little move, maneuver with her fingers towards Wanda. Now it feels like Agatha has Wanda under her spell too. Why has Agatha done all this? Well, everything seems to point to the idea that she wants Wanda to look like the villain here. Agatha took Wanda's kids, manipulated Vision to go outside the hex and tell the sword agents that all the people needed help, and she even pitted Wanda against Monica at her lowest point. Like most people who suffer from depression, Wanda is easily manipulated to her base instinct of lashing out, warning Monica to not make me hurt you. The problem, of course, is that Wanda is only hurting herself because she's under the care of a very malevolent Agatha now. It's now time for Apropos of Nothing for WandaVision episode 107, Breaking the Fourth Wall. First, Agatha all along is by far, by far, my new favorite theme song. <laughs> Love it. In, in fact, it's actually Catherine Hong singing that song. In, in a perfect world, though, we would get a spinoff of the same name and we would see all of the events of WandaVision specifically from Agatha's perspective, including, yes, <laughs> murdering a puppy. Oh, I, it will never happen. And you, I think as a viewer, get the idea of what Agatha was doing. You don't need all the ins and outs of her ex existence in Westview. But my goodness, I would love to see everything of WandaVision from Agatha's perspective the entire time. Second, Monica's DNA, yes, has been rewritten. Now she's got magical powers too. <laughs> Implicit in her powers is that she was able to get through the hex because it already altered her DNA. And she must not be some chump either because she lived through an attack from Wanda. And not even the Avengers can claim that except Hawkeye. <laughs> He, he he wasn't having any of that in Avengers Age of Ultron. He he already did the mind control thing. Was not a fan of that life. Yes, and Hawkeye's a badass too. I look forward to his show. and I look forward to breaking that down when it comes out. I uh, love the sequence with Monica going through the hex. All the experiences in her life are coming through to make her who she is at that very moment. Hearing the voices of her mother and Captain Marvel, even Nick Fury uh, chimes in here too, to give her the strength to push forward uh, through the hex. It's an incredible scene. It actually, it's very reminiscent of, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Rey's experience in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker at the end of that film. And also, uh, spoiler alert, uh, it's more specifically, uh, it's reminiscent of Jodie Foster's Ellie in the movie Contact. I love that movie too. Robert Zemeckis is great as a director and it's, it's such a cool story. Ellie, when she uh, is put into the time travel machine or the space travel machine, she eventually goes through time and space 
And she's there, and she finally travels to an alien planet. And the way that the multiple faces uh, appear for Monica and the mon- the multiple realities are separated from Monica, it's actually almost a shot-for-shot remake of what happens to Jodie Foster's Ellie in Contact. Go check it out. It's great. Next, can we have a spinoff show dedicated to just Vision and Darcy? <laughs> I love that even though a vision is supposed to be a machine, Paul Bettany imbues a real humanity to him, especially when he realizes that he absolutely should not be doing a confessional interview and just rips off his bike and just flies away. <laughs> it was such a great scene. Oh man, great commentary. The opening credits had a curious clue. It said created by Wanda Maximoff. I mean, obviously, it's a reference to how uh, shows are not advertised uh, in, in via uh, their showrunners. Showrunners have now become uh, probably the most important asset to a show at this moment. And it's no less true for me. I, I podcast about Outlander. I would have never watched that show. Number one, if my wife didn't want me to watch it. And I'm happy to do whatever she wants. She's my bride. I'm I'm happy to go along to get along, but I definitely would not have watched it if it wasn't show run, if if it wasn't run by Ron Moore. Ron Moore was the crea- is a creator, well, not the creator, but he rewrote the latest iteration of Battlestar Galactica and he was one of the main writers on Star Trek, uh The Next Generation, uh Deep Space 9, Voyager. Ron Moore is a big deal. So is this in advertisement, something similar of, of the show being created by Wanda Maximoff? Is this mirroring the latest trends in TV? Yeah, maybe. But is it being so overt about who created WandaVision, the show within a show, to throw off the viewer from the truth? That's a good question. Is it Wanda creating all of the roadblocks for Vision and Darcy? Or... Now that we know that Agnes is Agatha, are these roadblocks being put up by Agatha? Food for thought. Sixth, the sword agent asks if they got the vehicle right to Monica and they based it off of her, uh, off of her specs. Wait, hold on. Did they design and build this machine in less than 24 hours? Let's think about that. <laughs> Seventh, did anyone else sing, oh, book, when they saw Agatha's magical spells book in her basement? I hope so, because I'm a big Hocus Pocus nerd. <laughs> uh, the commercial for this episode is incredible. Ask your doctor about Nexus, a unique antidepressant that works to anchor you back to your reality or the reality of your choice. The side effects include feeling your feelings, confronting your truth, seizing your destiny, and possibly more depression. And the tagline is even better, Nexus, because the world doesn't revolve around you. Or does it? This is a reference to the comics, and how Wanda is often referenced as a Nexus being. Someone who uh, is a rare individual, or rare entity, with the power to affect all probability and thereby the future. Interesting, interesting, interesting. A final note about Vision. There was a great back and forth about his actual being with Darcy. His code 
is that of Jarvis, the uh, assistant program for Tony Stark. We all know that helped create Vision. But his form, his actual body form, is due to the whims of a homicidal robot in Ultron. Though, since his death, Vision's death, that is, what is Vision now? That is a great question. And lastly, stick around for the mid-credits scene of this series. Uh, It's the first one of this series. And if you haven't seen it, it's a good one. (laughs) It's a good one. Snooper's gonna snoop. And I think it gives you uh, more context as to where Pietro is, or, or at least has been, for this entire episode. So that is it, ladies and gents. That is our episode for 107 of WandaVision. I think it's time to close this bad boy out, shall we? Yeah, ladies and gents, if you didn't think I was going to be closing this episode out to Agatha all along, you are sadly mistaken. This is such a great song, and it's such a great little intro to what's been happening uh, all along in WandaVision. So thank you for listening to us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate it. I'll see you guys next episode. To fix anything now that everything has gone wrong. It's too bad with And I killed Sparky too. <laughs>